Father, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. We just thank you for your grace, your mercy. Uh, you do so much for us, Lord. You're so good to us, Lord. And we just pray that uh, you just work in our hearts and minds. And we're thankful that we have a place to come where we can learn your word. We can learn how to praise you and love you right. And we just ask you to be with, be with us this morning, Lord, and be with me as I, as I teach this Sunday school, Lord, and just let me say everything you want me to say and nothing more, nothing less. And we just uh, pray that you come back soon. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, if you could turn to uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17, um, which everybody pretty much knows. It's a, a familiar passage. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And now that I know this is going to be a weird passage to use, but what I want to teach on is doubt. And from this passage, I gather, the Lord wants us to know who we were, who we are, and who we're supposed to be. Who we're going to be, actually. And I know it's a little weird to use this for doubt, but I have to say, everything becomes new. Doubt is new. I never doubted God's will for me when I was lost. I never doubted. I never doubted whether I was going to heaven or hell because I didn't care. I didn't care. It became new once I was saved. Everything became new and and all that. So, the first time we see doubt is in uh, Genesis. If you can go to uh, Genesis 3. Genesis 3 and uh, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto, unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. That's the first time we see doubt. And it's the devil who wants us to doubt. He wants us to get us in that place and doubt. And uh, what's interesting about this is, it's not only does he want you to doubt God's word, but do you notice what he did? He didn't go to Adam and Eve. He went to one. Because his whole plan is to isolate us. He's not going to get you to doubt if you're not isolated. If you're around other Christians, if you're around, you know, you're in church, you're fellowshipping, you're doing this, you're in your Bible, it's harder for him to make you doubt. So what he does is he goes to one of them and knows I can separate this and I can get them. And it's uh, very neat, just something that uh, God's been showing me little by little and things I've learned. Why does he? Why does he want to isolate us? Why does he want? Because he and it's true when he says that he wants our family. He wants everything about it. Because the more he can do, the, the useless we are. In Genesis, 
uh, 2.18, uh, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And if we go further, uh, back to 1, we see that he told, told them to multiply, to replenish. It's about family. It's about we need family. We need not to be alone. If we're alone, he's going to make us doubt. He's going to get into our minds, and he's going to make us really feel not safe and unsecure. If you could turn to Psalms, uh, just to show you this. Psalm 68 and verse 6. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. God setteth the solitary in families. When I got saved, I no longer became alone. Not only is God always there for me, he gave me a church family. And we're, I am so thankful for that. So thankful. Because that's what it's about. It's about him, the, the, Satan trying to isolate you. He doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't want, want you to be a part of the family. He doesn't want you to come. He doesn't want you to fellowship. If he can do that, he's isolating you. Um, right? Hebrews, uh, no, that's later. We'll go there later. Um, but it is. It's, it's an insecurity. It's a doubt. That they, they likes to do. Um, doubt, to wave or fluctuate in opinion, to hesitate, to be in suspense, to fear, to be apprehensive, to suspect. And it's funny because insecurity is almost the same definition as that. Not secure, not confident, not confident of safety or permanence, distrustful, suspicious, apprehensive of danger or loss. And this is what he's trying to do. This is one of the reasons what causes doubt is him. He, he wants to come in. He wants to do this. And so many people don't take it serious. Satan himself went before Job and tried, <laughs> tried to get God himself to doubt. Didn't he? Job, you know, hey Job, no, that's okay. You do this, and he's gonna, he's gonna forget all about you. He tried to put doubt in God's mind, and we think we're different. We think that we're gonna have some kind of control over him that we can, you know, just go. Thing is, we can't. We'll get there later. We can, but that's can't do it on ourselves. We can't be isolated to do that. We have to have that fellowship with Christ. We have to have that fellowship with our brethren. If you turn to First uh, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 2 and verse 18. 
Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, once and again, but Satan hindered us. That's his job. It's to hinder us. The best way for him to hinder us is to put doubt on God's word, to put doubt on what we believe, to put doubt on us. Throwing us into an isolated area, being alone, and he's got you. He can do whatever he wants with you. Um, John 10.10 uh, tells you. He, he's come to seek, to kill and destroy. I mean, that's what, that's what he's doing. And what he wants is he wants your family, he wants your testimony, he wants everything. And this is one of the reasons why we doubt, because we don't understand what he's doing. We can't comprehend that it's part of his plan. And see, once you get isolated, you're, it's too late. It's too late because you figure it out and you go, he's already got your, your mind playing with so many different things that it gets out of control and out of hand. Um, another thing that can cause doubt is uh, false prophets, wrong doctrine. If you turn to uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, and verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye caused to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Somebody preaching you wrong doctrine. And uh, I know this is hard to believe, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean... It just, it really gets me with this wrong doctrine. I mean, it's something I have to work on. And Pastor Kenny's message Wednesday really kind of got me into a fire with it too. Because we allow this. We allow this false doctrine. And then we have people in the church to go, oh, it's so big about doctrine. Why are you making a big deal about doctrine? Oh, that's dumb. People make too big of a deal about doctrine. Wasn't a doctrine that saved you? How about we think of it this way? Isn't doctrine God's word? But we say, oh yeah, we believe in God's word. Oh, but why are you making a big deal about that? That's no big deal. Well, you just said you believe in God's word. You think it should be upholded, but now you're going, oh, what about that? And you wonder why you're struggling. You wonder why you have doubt. Because you let somebody come in and tell you it's no big deal. Don't worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. And that's not what God says. Without doctrine, right, how will we know? Uh, Hebrews 10.25, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. It's doctrine. Right? He's trying to isolate you. And now you got somebody coming in telling you, I don't worry about doctrine. It's no big deal. You don't need to go to church. 
you are the church, right? That's the, that's the good one you get. You are the church. You know, where two or three are gathered. I mean, who are you gathering with, though? And then we get doubt, and we wonder why we have the doubt. It's not where God wants us to be. It's not who he made us to be. First uh, Timothy, if you can go back to First Timothy. First Timothy and chapter four. Now the Spirit, is, uh, verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, what God hath created to be received with thanksgiving, with them believe know the truth. And he keeps going on, and he keeps going on, and then... Uh, if you jump down to verse 6, it says, If thou put thy brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. And what do false prophets do? What do these people out there now in the different churches and preaching, what do they do? They spread false doctrine. But it's not a big deal, right? It just says, you know, be a good minister if you, you know, nourished up in the words of the faith and good doctrine. You're gonna be, you're gonna be okay. And how do we do that? By surrounding us with people that believe the same. That there, there, you know, unfortunately, there isn't. There is no. Can't we all get along? Because at some point, at some point. If, if you're hanging with somebody from a different church that believes a different way, at some point it's going to be an issue. At some point you're either going to push that with them. If you truly believe it, you're going to say, hey, this is wrong. This is what it really says. Or they're going to sit there and try to persuade you to their side. And there's nothing you can do. You can't get along. You could try, but it's not going to work out. That's why God says to mark those who cause division. It's not to be mean. It's not to be, you know, and they could be saved people. They could be good people. But if you're not, if you're off, what are you going to do? You can't have, you can't have it both ways. Okay, if we go back to Second uh, Corinthians. Second Corinthians eleven. And uh, we'll start in uh, verse leave. But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his, his subtility that of so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is Christ. For if he hath for he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if he received another spirit, which we have not received, or another gospel, 
which have not accepted, you might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not wit behind the very chiefest apostles. And now if we jump down uh, to uh, verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Um, it's always some new revelation. It's always something. Well, have you seen it this way? Well, what's wrong with the old way? I mean, isn't that what isn't that what Satan did to Eve? Hey, don't touch that. You're gonna you're gonna die. Oh well, let me change that. But have you seen it like this? And that's what causes doubt. Um, I would have to encourage everybody, when you read, take notes, write down. Um, I was just telling the guys in, in Hope Friday, man, you have to make it personal. Salvation was personal, but when you're reading, make it personal. Write down, you see that verse, okay, well, you know, just just try. You know, I mean, not always is he going to give you something and, and you'll see it, but try, it's personal. He wants that. But what happens is people sit, sit there and try to twist it and change it and say, well, this is how it really is. And this is, this is what was really meant. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, not to, but I mean, you know, people, you know, Oh, why well, go to the Thayer's Greek? Because that's a better definition. What's wrong with the English definition? I mean, I, I really do. I've been saying that a lot lately. I have no intention of learning Greek. I really don't want to. Especially with all the different meanings and, and, and definite. I mean, what's wrong with the English? I know English. I know I can define that word. And if I can't, there's a dictionary, so I can. Um, going back to Second uh, Timothy, going back to Timothy here. Second Timothy. Second Timothy three, and we'll start in verse one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort, are they which creep into houses and lead captive, uh, captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust. And what sticks out to me in this is he's starting to talk about the last times, talking about how we're going to fall into apostasy. And you can't fall into apostasy unless you're saved. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. The lost world have no clue what that means. They don't care. They're already, you know, gone from them. But verse 6, it says, which creep into houses. 
you got this. And, and as we, we go back to talk about that, you know, oh, well, can't we just get along? What are you letting in your houses? It's creeping up on you. And that's why it is really important uh, that you don't. If you've got a problem with any pastor, you, you go to them personally. Don't, don't talk about it. Because if your kids hear it, then it's creeping in the house. What are they going to do? If you have somebody over that has a problem with the pastor, creeping in your house, they say something, everything's going to hear it. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it then? What happens is you sit there and go, well, I don't know. I better double check on what pastor said this morning. I better double check on this. I don't know if he was, if he was right. What you did was just isolate you from your real family. And Satan got the plant doubt in your mind. And that's, it, and that's what it comes down to. There's these little things, these, these doctrines, these things that people want to make no big deal about it. You know? And we're not talking about silly things. We're talking about big things. It's very, doctrine is very personal to me. Um, I know there's a lot of people that don't, could care less two ways, you know, if we go halfway through the tribulation or we go up before. I do. I do. That's an important part of doctrine. Tribulation is supposed to be God's wrath. If that's God's wrath, I have no hope. Where, where is it? Now, now, all my, now all my salvation is based on can I hold out? Can I endure? Am I going to make the right choice? I know I can't make the right choice. That's why I went to him to begin with. But these are things that will just keep getting in your head and keep getting in your head. and It's not, it's not encouraging you. It's not encouraging the church. You're not edifying anybody. It's causing doubt to come into your mind. And we really don't want that. We don't want to be in that place where we're going. Uh, right? In James, he talks about double-minded man. That's what he's trying to do with you. He, the devil wants you that way. He wants you double-minded. He wants you thinking this other stuff and going, oh, yeah, that guy's okay. He's good on every other doctrine, just that, just that one. Just that one. And that one's only got to do with either your salvation, your fellowship, or how to live holy. I mean, isn't that what we really have the biggest problem in, is, is uh, once we're saved, is trying to live holy? We don't need any more doubt there, because we do pretty good at not holding up to that. Um, if you turn to uh, John, John 14, I like turning and looking at it because, like I said, if you, if you make it personal, even passages that you've seen many times, if you make it personal to you, that's going to kill a lot of your doubt. Because you're going to sit there and go, ooh, wow, yeah, I, I, okay, yeah, that's me, okay. Hey, I can fix that. 
God can fix that. I just got to go to him. Uh, John 14. And uh, we will start in verse uh, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know. And the way ye know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. And then we get in there where Philip's going, I don't know what you're talking about. What's Jesus say? Like, really? How long you, you think I could just do these things because I can? You've seen the Father. You've seen me. But that's the thing. It's, it's doubt. You sit here, look, and it's doubt that comes in. And if you go back to the beginning, whither I go, ye know. And the way ye know. We know the way. We've gotten the truth. We've gotten the truth. There's no need to doubt. There's no need to listen to somebody that comes across and says, no, that's not how it really is. Don't do it that way. But yeah, but the Bible, oh, no, 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 no. You know, not everything in the Bible is, is, is right, you know. You know, I mean, and that's, it reminds me of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I used to get Jehovah's Witnesses where I used to live all the time. And I sat there talking to them one day, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we use a King James Bible. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, then how do you believe that? Because what does John 1, 1 say? That he is God. You know what they show me? Oh, no, no, that's not what it says. And they go in, they go, oh, see, it says, oh, God. You don't use the King James then. You just lie. <laughs> and I hope nobody does that when trying to witness. Don't lie. Don't, don't lie and do that because you're only going to give yourself a bad name, but even worse, Christ. If you don't know, if you don't know just say, I, I have no clue, but I, I know some people I can call or talk to or I can try to look into it, but I don't know. I say that a lot. I don't know. I don't know what this is. Okay, Lord, you want me to go farther with it? Let me know. If not, you'll show me in time. And that's... But you start letting that stuff in. And that was also the wrong time that I first got saved. And I, I couldn't believe it because everybody, everybody here is like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, saved, all right. You know, and they're like, yeah, you got to watch out. People will start coming. Why? Because he wants to isolate you from what you've just known. He wants to isolate you from the truth. He wants to isolate you from your new family and put that doubt in your mind. And you go, what do I have now? I got nothing. I got no hope now. Again, and it's like, but you do. You're just doubting everything. Uh, another thing that can cause doubt is your imagination. Your imagination. Uh, if you go back to Jeremiah, 
Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23 and verse 25. I have heard what the prophets said. They prophesied lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed. I have dreamed. Dreams are just your imagination. For the most part, it's you going, you're imagining different things as you're sleeping. And then Jeremiah, he says, hey, you know, don't. If that happened in Jeremiah, what happens now? I mean, we all, we hear it. You know, I got a new revelation. I dreamed this. Well, you know, and we're wondering why we're down. What do you mean? And what happens is, and that's part of the doubt, because Truly what happens is we're looking for a different answer than that because we don't want to keep living this way. It's, it's too much, it's too hard for us. So we're trying to look for that. And a lot of people do. They get saved and they try to look for a different answer, a better, a better answer, and you don't have a better answer. The answer is I'm saved. I deserve hell. God says, no, that's okay. I forgive you. And that's the, <laughs> that's the best part about salvation is when you realize where you're supposed to be. And you're like, I mean, how, how, how many of us would have mercy on somebody if they did us that wrong? And we've done a lot wrong. But imaginations, it's a part of your mind is what happens. Your dreams and all that, it's a part of your mind. And uh, Romans 8, 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject of the knowledge of God, neither indeed can be. So it, it's telling you, your carnal mind can't know it, but you're sitting there with the imaginations, you're sitting there, and you're thinking these weird things up. And, you know, by far, it's not wrong to imagine stuff. I mean, you want to imagine what heaven's going to be like and meeting Jesus? I mean, that's, that's a good part of an imagination. But, I mean, if you're sitting there, oh, I don't know, Lord, I, I know what you said, but Really? And I think that's half our problem. I think probably 90% of Christians were Gideon. Yep, I know exactly that was you. But if, you re if that's really what you want, though, you got to you know, do a little more. Do a little more. We already know. We already have it. But we let our man, well, I don't know. That doubt will get you every time. If you turn to uh, Isaiah, Isaiah 26, Isaiah 26 and verse 3. 
Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So instead of trusting on him, instead of keeping our mind on him, we, we let our imaginations go wild, and the next thing you know, we're doubting. We're doubting what he can do, what he has done. And uh, I think it's more dangerous doubting what he has done than uh, where you want to be. Because that, re that really gets into a hole. You know, you leave yourself way open for uh, every kind of attack. Uh, if you turn with to uh, Second Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians ten, and again, this is I. It's good to read and remind yourself. Second Corinthians ten, and we will start in. Uh, Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Your mind. He, he tells you your mind is going to be a problem. Your mind will cause you to doubt. Your mind will cause you to wander. Your mind will do this. Cast it down. Right? We've seen that we already know the truth. So why do we doubt the truth? It's in our minds. Which is important why you put on the whole armor of God. You know, a lot of us miss a piece here and there, and that's what happens. And then our doubt, the doubt just comes in because we miss a piece, because we just get uh, overly confident, or we just don't have time to be in the Bible like we do. We don't have time to stay in our prayer life the way we do. But that brings me to the, to the last of it. Doubt. The main reason why we doubt is because we do not remember who we are in Christ. We don't. We forget. Every time, every day. That's why he says, you know, you've got to renew yourself every day. Um, if you turn to Hosea, Hosea 4, in, uh, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. I mean, a lot of that's not. Uh, we're, we're, I'm referring to this in a spiritual sense, that, uh, but we are. We're... we're we're destroyed for lack of knowledge because we can't remember who we are. We can't remember the truth. We get the truth and then we go on. And uh, I think it's very important in this day and age with everything coming closer that we remember who we are. 
if we don't remember who we are, then, then we're useless. We can't, we can't encourage anybody. We can't hold out. We can't look for the blessed hope. And it's, all, it's knowledge. We have the knowledge. We just don't, we don't want to look at it or for some reason. We forget who we are. And it, it is. It's very hard on me because I do it too. I forget who I am. And, and you know, I'm just thankful the Lord is merciful and kind and loving and long-suffering. Mostly long-suffering because I mess up a lot. But who we are in Christ. Do we know who we are in Christ? Colossians 2.10 says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of full principality and power. But we also read that we have a principality of the air. But do you see, if we remember who we are, who's the head of full principality and power, which is Christ, it doesn't matter who's in control of something else. Because he has full control. And if you're saved, just remember who you are. Uh, turn to uh, Ephesians. Ephesians 1 and uh, verse... Six, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace who are we in Christ? we're beloved we're beloved If we spend more time on realizing how much he loves us, there's less time for doubt. Who else are we in Christ? We're secure and free. If you turn to Romans, Romans 8, And verse 1, this is the, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There is no condemnation. If we're doubting, maybe it's because we're walking in the flesh a little more than the Spirit. And we've got to change that. We have to look at it and go, okay, the, why are we feeling this way? You know, and feelings pass. Feelings come and go. Why are we feeling this way? God says there's no condemnation. Oh, well, maybe I'm just walking in the flesh a little too much. Maybe I'm letting some wrong doctrine creep into my house. Maybe I'm letting uh, Satan isolate me a little too much. Uh, 
uh, if you go back to Ephesians, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, 5, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. We're adopted. And if you remember when I went back, I mean, that, that's what God set forth for us, a family. We messed it up. He gives us a chance to come back. We come back and he gives us this whole new family. We're adopted, which is part of, you know, the whole thing of doubt. You, you want to be around people. You want to be around those who believe. You want to get out. And, boy, you want to get around family and, and uh, know that you're accepted by Christ and know that you're not walking in the flesh and know that you're adopted? Street preaching will do that real quick. Real quick. You know, I, I mean, and that's the, uh, you know, that's the thing. And, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a guy yesterday, you know, kept claiming, he came down claiming he was a Christian. But it was bothering us. It was, it's, it's just bothering me. It's bothering me. I got, you know, family and all this. And I said, oh, you're a Christian. And he said, yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done this if I wasn't in a good church, knowing. It's like, oh, well, what do you base that on? Oh, just, you know, miracles God's done. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's not what the Bible says. I know the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. So just because you've gotten blessed, that doesn't tell me anything. You know, but the, the main part was when I asked him, I said, what, you know, what do you base that on? He, he got offended quick. Well, what do you mean what do I base that on? What do you base it on? You know, and then when I said that's not what the Bible says, well, that's your belief. And he turned around and walked away. Not that, oh, well, you know, I've been covered in shed blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing like that. Nothing like I know I've been saved from hell and I deserve it. Nothing like that. Just, you know. And I wish he would have stayed because that's how I thought. That's how I thought when I was lost. Well, I've seen God do things in my life. Well, I must be going to heaven. No. No. And that's scary. That's scary the way I used to believe. Um, what else are we in Christ? We are sealed and established. If you go to 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Uh, I believe... Second yeah, Corinthians one and verse twenty one. Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us in God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Moreover I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth. 
we're sealed and established, and that's something important we have to know too. When doubt comes in, you know, we're sealed, we're established. Don't, don't second-guess things. Don't second-guess things. Because I, I see a lot of Christians now second-guessing their salvation, and why? Because of the false doctrine. Because of people preaching stuff that's not how you get saved. And they think and go, oh, oh wow, you know. Because, I mean, that's natural for us. We want to say, yeah, I did this. I'm good enough. And they sway towards that, and it's, it's not. Um, you know, God is not the author of confusion. He's going to let you know. He knows that we're his. Uh, Romans 8.31, what shall we say then? Uh, you know, God's for us. Who can be against us? Right? I mean, if we're saved, if he's for us, that doubt comes in. Um, they do, over in Hope, they have uh, four Ps. And I, I love it. I just love it. Uh, you know, one of them is plead. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. You start getting doubt, plead the blood. Say it out loud. Do whatever you have to, but plead the blood. You know, and we have to remember also that we're a citizen of heaven. Uh, in Philippians 3.20, it says, For our conversation is in heaven, for whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's ours. That's our, that's our redemption. There's only one thing that makes you doubt, and, and it's not God. It's not God. And uh, I, I like telling this story because I did. I had a problem. I doubted my salvation. And uh, I, I know some people like him. Some people don't care for him. But Ruckman's reference Bible is what helped me with that. It got me back. Because what he has in his notes for Romans 10, 9 through 10, he put, if you have done it God's way, then someone is lying. Guess who? If you've done what Romans 9 and 10 said, right? Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then you're saved. You know, the devil's our adversary. He's the one that wants to isolate us, to get us to think wrong, to get us back. Um, and he's gonna. And he's gonna if we don't remember who we are. We have to resist the devil, and then he will flee. And uh, a neat little thing that I learned is, is it, it's something I had a hard time with, but it's, it's right. The devil will flee, but then he'll come back. Then he'll flee, and he'll stay a little longer, and then he'll come back. The problem is, is we do it two times, and he, after that second time he comes back, and we get all caught up in our imaginations and our our thoughts again, and we go, well, is he ever going to leave? Yeah. The closer you draw nigh to God, he can't be around God. Lord, I just uh, I thank you, Lord, for working in my heart, Lord, giving me the uh, just the verses and the, the right mind to, to do this message, Lord, and I just pray that you're, you were pastor this morning as he does the message, and uh, we ask you to uh, heal up Pastor Legault as well, Lord, and, and 
heal him up quickly, and we're just glad to have him here again today, Lord. And we just pray you be a blessing with the services, with the junior church, and may we give all honor and glory to you, Lord, and may we just not doubt what your word says. We praise you, and we just pray that you come back and get us soon. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. foundation of what we believe and what you remember, all the things that he gave you on who you are in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you and how he saved you and how you're kept and, and all the sealed and everything, scripture, 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 all those things, that truth dispels doubt. Our faith is based in the scriptures. Our truth, that eliminates those fears and those doubts. And that's what you got to hang on to. So, amen. Thank you.